Blog Talk Radio. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. 
I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Oh, God bless you, everybody. I hope you can hear me. I've been having some technical difficulties. Welcome to the show today. God bless you. My name is J.D. This is the Neptune Diaries. I want to start off with a prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we humbly come before you and worship you, Father God. You are Jehovah Jireh, Lord. You are the creator of all things, Lord. Lord, let your will be done today in our lives. Lord, let your will be done in this show, Father God. Let your voice come through mine, Lord. Let not my voice, Father God. I pray that you just would get a message out and touch those with ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Father God, we, we are in desperate times and we need you more than ever father god we need you to set our path straight lord we need to understand what we need to do lord we need specifics we need to understand your will for our lives father god i ask these things oh and i come against the principalities and powers of darkness that would try to interfere with this show devil in the name of jesus demons in the name of jesus you have no business Father God, I just pray that you would just protect this show. Send me angels, Lord. We ask, believe, and receive these things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you, everybody. Today is the best day ever. I want you all to know that. Today is the best day ever. We have another day to chase after God and to see what he's going to do. 
Father God has a heart that none should perish. None, not one. And every day that goes on, it's an opportunity for us to spread the message. I know there's a lot of people out there right now who are living lackluster lives. They're plugged into a machine. They're plugged into lots of machines, but they're plugged into the big machine, and they're just part of the system. And it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live your life like that. It doesn't have to be that way. You can go back to your first love. You really can. You can go back to your first love, and you can get back to Jesus. You can come back. I did. If I can do it, you can do it. Believe me, I was as far as anyone could possibly ever imagine that they could get from the Lord. He let me stray so far, but yet he reeled me back. He can do that for you too if there are people struggling out there. God is good, and he's there. All you simply need to do is draw near to him, and I can tell you that once you start to draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you at breakneck speed. Once he sees that you're committed and faithful, he's going to draw near to you. Now, I want I, I want to clarify a couple of things because people might be confused in their understanding of of how a relationship with God works. God sent his son to die for us, to, to accept our, our sin, right? To be a sacrifice, to be a substitute for us. And once we accept that, once we believe that, and we ask Jesus into our lives to take over and accept him as Lord and Savior in our lives, that's different from running the race that God has marked out for you. That's different than seeking after righteousness. Once you are, once you are saved, you begin a journey of, of a relationship with God. That's what this whole thing is about. Is for us to get back to a state where we can tabernacle with God, where we can hang out with God, where we can fellowship with the Lord. It's all about the first couple chapters in Genesis. That's where the story starts, and that's where we're all trying to get back to. Literally, not only us, but the enemy that's out there. We're all trying to get back to that garden moment in time. And God has given us a process to do that. And it starts, it literally starts with you accepting that he sent Jesus, his son. Right? That's where it starts. It doesn't end there. That's where it starts. Your journey begins there. And that's just the way it is. If you don't know Jesus today and you're listening to this wondering, you know, what's going on with my relationship with God, maybe maybe you're just right there at the beginning stages. Still, after all this time, maybe you did what I did. You got in, you know, you accepted his gift. You jumped in and then the world came around and just snuffed out your seed. You know? Maybe that happened to you too. And maybe for all that time, like me, you've been haunted because you've been on the run like a prodigal son, hanging out in the belly of the whale, partying up, telling yourself you're having a good time when you know that you have a call on your life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're tuning in right now and you're saying, well, you know what? I'm a slave. I don't even understand this. I love Jesus. I want my life to be different. 
but I'm powerless. I can't do this. I don't understand it. I don't want to talk to anybody about this stuff in my life because it's horrific, right? Well, I understand. There's a lot of people out there just like us in the church tortured because they never understood what repentance was and what it meant and how to do it. Like, it's not something that just you do once when you accept Jesus into your heart. That's not how this works. There are people running around today talking about Jesus and living like the devil. I know because I was one of them. But I was never, I never deluded myself trying to justify or rationalize, rationalize my sin, my sinful behavior. I never did that. I always knew. And that's why it sucked. That's why all the, that time spent in, you know, on the run was a terrible time. It was a terrible time. It was a terrible time. You know, I was trying to build my little temporary kingdom here on this temporary little speck of dust out here in the cosmos. Trying to have some fun, you know, build memories. For what? Memories of what? Debauchery? Biting the apple? You know, seeing what I was what I was going to miss once I got back to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for calling me back and getting me back on track. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was so far and you reeled me back. Lord, thank you, Father God, for always being there for me. Even in the darkest of moments. Thank you, Father God. I struggled, people. I struggled. I had a hard time, you know. I literally lived in rebellion for the majority of my life. There's still aspects of my life that I struggle with handing over to the Lord. There are still aspects of my life that I struggle with handing over to the Lord. And I and funny enough, I try to sit here and justify it in my mind, telling myself, oh, it's just a thorn in the thresh, whatever. It's sin. Sin is sin. Time that we all step up and start rooting it out at breakneck speed because the time is at hand. Do you not hear that? The time is at hand. The world is on fire. Fire! The world is on fire. The world is on fire. You all know it. You all see it. Anyone who's paying attention. And you know what's scary? Not many people are paying attention. They don't want to believe what's what's coming, what's on the way. And that's all right. I get it. I have friends who are, you know, Christians, and they don't want to talk about it. I'm a buzzkill. I'm a doom and gloomer. They don't want to talk about what's going on. I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I, I got to a point not too long ago. Well, I mean a while ago now. But I got to a point where I'm telling you, I turned around. I got tired of it all. I turned around. I just said, okay. And I turned around. And, and here's the key to that. Don't wait till you clean yourself up 
right? Don't wait till you clean yourself up. Go back now. Turn around now. Dirty. Go take a shower. That's the point. Stop being a stubborn child and let God give you a bath. He's not going to let you in the house till you're clean. Do you understand that? The Lord's not going to let you into the house. He wants to let you and He loves you. He'll chase you around trying to squirt you with the hose all, all you want up until a certain point, you know? When the sun goes down on that last day, he's going inside with the rest of us who are in here. Let him give you a bath. Let him hose you down. You don't get to come in the house muddy and dirty and disgusting. It's a white house. It's perfect. It's not going to happen. That's about as soft a message as you're going to get from me because if you get shut out on that last day when the sun goes down on that last day, if you get locked outside, you know, it's going to be dark forever and really scary. It's going to be utter chaos and utter madness. Please do yourself a favor. Suspend your reality for five minutes. And go read the book of Revelation. It's not going to be five minutes. That was stupid. It's going to take you a while. But go read the book of Revelation and let your mind be blown. We're literally there. We're literally there, mate. We're there. We're at that point. We're there. We're there. When I was a kid, I got saved when I was young. And I read Revelation. That's pretty much the book that my aunt preached out of when, when I accepted Jesus. She preached out of Matthew and Revelation. And the thing that boggled my mind about Revelation was the whole 666 number of the beast thing. That took root in me right away. Boom. I thought that was fancy. And it was intriguing. You know, I was a kid. And at that point in my life, I was reading you know, the Chronicles of Narnia and stuff like that. So I, I was in, I was fascinated with dragons and stuff. So getting into the book of Revelation was not a big jump for me. And also, I want, as a kid, I wanted that reality to be the truth. I actually didn't want to live in this crappy reality of getting up and going to school, getting programmed by these, you know, left-wing crazy liberal people up north of Boston I didn't I wanted no part of that. I just wanted to read my books. I wanted to, you know. You know, it's interesting. One of the one of the big games when I was growing up was Dungeons and Dragons. And God ne- I never got into that game and and I should have. That was right up my alley, but I never did because I already had my own Dungeons and Dragons game that I was playing from the time that I was a child with, you know, the book of Revelation. This was this was fascinating to me. And we're here. We're right here. At this moment. If you look at the Bible and you open it, and you go to the book of Revelation, and then just hold those pages. Hold those pages. Just grab those pages and let the book hang. I'm holding only those pages. And realize that's that's all the time we have left. That's it. We're We're somewhere right there. Right there. We're somewhere right there in that book, right? Where do you think we are in that book? That's a good question, right? I think we're about to have this book all happen like almost at once. 
I think that this is good. I think what we're in store for is going to be so phenomenally shocking. I think what we're in store for is going to be so outrageous. I think you're going to see every horror movie, every science fiction, every fantasy, Lord of the Rings, Matrix, all of it. I think you're going to see all that stuff start popping off all at once. No kidding. You're going to see that stuff start going wild all at once. What do you mean by that? Well, let's go have a look at Revelation for a minute. I'll I'll get sidetracked for a second. I have a schedule that I'm trying to keep with this show, though. What? Let's just roll for a second. Let's go. Let's go to Revelation. First of all, I just want to say this: relate to Jesus's message to the church at Ephesus for a minute, okay? He says, "I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how those can, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars." and is born and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly." And will will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Do you get it? But this thou hast, that thou hast the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Okay, so I don't care how rock solid your relationship is with God in this moment. I don't care if you have no sin in your life or whatever. You think you're at wherever you think you're at. If this doesn't speak to you and make you want to press in harder... I don't know what will. Something's wrong. This should speak to everyone right now in these times. It should speak to everyone right now in these times. We are here. We're at this point, right? We're right on the precipice of revelation starting to pop off right now. And I'm telling you, If there's one thing about the Lord that you, me, and everyone else can count on, it's that we don't know His ways fully. We don't understand Him. We we have a we have a a slight glimpse into what He's doing and what He's gonna do. And thank the good Lord Himself that He gave us this Bible to keep us preoccupied, right, in the things of Him. Now, I want to. With that being said, I'd like to address this whole rapture controversy of the pre-trib, post-trib, and all that kind of business. I want to address that for a minute, just for a minute. 
whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, zip-zappity-do-trib, whatever you want to be. God bless you. I think it's great. I think it's great. Whatever position you take, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But, but what I think needs to happen amongst the body right now is that we just have to talk about it without without calling each other names, you know, and and and, and being vicious and kind of having a mocking spirit because that's not of the Lord. There's no way that's of the Lord. There's no way you're ever going to convince me that fighting about it is of the Lord. I actually think the whole controversy is a God-given conspiracy. I think that the Lord did it just like that to give each side, especially the post and the pre-tribbers. I think he gave it I think he purposely gave both sides enough to back up their argument but still left it shrouded in mystery that nobody needs no, nobody knows for sure so that everybody's going to talk about it. I just don't th- I think he wants us everybody talking about it because guess what in talking about it what are we doing we're keeping watch. We're keeping watch just like Jesus said. We're keeping watch. The thing that everybody needs to be careful of is the spirit with which they're keeping watch in. Are you, why why fight? I, I was at the prophecy in the news conference in Orlando and a woman came up to the to a table that I was at with the evangelist Dan Goodwin, who by the way has a book called uh The God God's Final Jubilee. And it's really good. I read it in one night. It's it's phenomenal. Uh it's information that we all need to have. But anyway, this woman came up to the table and his daughters were there and whatnot and she came up and she, she was she was definitely in a in, in a moving in a controversial spirit, right? She, she was there to prove to everybody that, you know, this was heresy and pre-tribulation is leading the church astray and people are going to be ill-prepared and all that. And I looked at her and I said, Miss, who do you think... You're, who who are you yelling at? And why are you why are you here hollering at us, trying to convince us? Do you not think that we've all read the same stuff over and over and come come to our own conclusions? You he, you hollering here while you're standing here isn't helping. I said, let me ask you one. Furthermore, let me ask you a question. Do you not think that we're in the tribulation right now? She looked at me, she said, well, I don't think it's a big trip. I think it's a, maybe a mini trip. And I said, do you think that those people who are getting their heads cut off over in the Middle East, do you think that this is a mini trip or a big trip? Because, you know, they're getting their heads cut off just like Jesus had described that we'd be persecuted and stuff. And she sort of looked at me and was, you know, thoughtful about it. And she walked away. And she stopped hollering. We have to stop hollering at each other. That's just the way it is. What do you care if I believe that, that he's going to come and spare us? What do you care? Why do you care? Um, who's listening? Who's listening? Do you understand? Why Why are you arguing with anyone about that? Either way, whether you're pre-trib or post-trib, stop arguing. It's ridiculous. We're literally commanded to not fight 
amongst each other and 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 ah, uh, there's so much bickering going on. Hello. So, anyway, I'm having technical difficulties if you're listening. Say a prayer. Come against us in the name of Jesus. This demonic attack. The devil's out there. He's trying to, he's literally trying to stop the word from going out over the airwaves. He is the God of this world in this moment. He he definitely is messing with not just this little show, but he's, he tries with all these shows. I was listening to Hagman and Hagman last night, and they were having a heck of a time getting things going on. See, what it is, is he's trying to throw off the rhythm. Did you understand? Whatever I was just talking about, I was in the flow. And he's trying to mess that up. He's trying to keep you from hearing a message. But you know what? The message is going forth. The message is going forth. So here's the deal. The ticket is this. It's the Psalms and the Proverbs. If you want to jumpstart, if you want to jumpstart jump your walk with the Lord, literally all you got to do is get up and get into the Psalms and Proverbs. Read them. Five Psalms and one proverb a day. If you want, if, listen, if you're out there and you're struggling, you're struggling with, 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 you know, habitual sin, if you're a slave to pornography, if you're a slave to drug addiction, if you're a slave to alcohol, if you're a slave to sex, whatever you're a slave to, if you're involved in adultery, no matter what, I don't care what you're involved in, there's a way to get out of that. And and for me, listen, I was involved in all that stuff. And for me, the way out that, that, that like it wasn't Alcoholics Anonymous, although that played a big factor and helped me get a break the chains and get me back on the path to God uh, and, and having the scales fall from my eyes and having an understanding of what I had done scientifically to my body and then bringing my Christian faith to that understanding and that wisdom and that you know medical field of thought of how you know habitual things they call them behaviors I call them sins screw with you and how you get out of there but I did it with the name of Jesus and I did it underneath you know they they took all that stuff straight from God's word but for me that wasn't enough. And, and, and what I realized is that getting back to God involved me being able to look in the mirror, you know, confess my sins, 
not only to myself, but to my fellows, right? To my fellows. To share in that. And that's right out of the book of James, right? That's right there. Confess your sins to each other. Pray with each other so that you will be healed. That's that's the ticket, right? And and, and that is, therein lies the, one of the big problems with the churches. We're screwed up. We're totally screwed up. We go in there and we all pretend we're squeaky clean when in fact a lot of people are in there totally struggling. A lot of people in there are totally, totally struggling. And there's a way out. You don't have to do it this way, and you don't have to do it that way. I'm just telling you what worked for me, what worked for me, and what continues to work for me. Right? I'm a guy who perpetually needs discipline. I need discipline. On a daily basis, I need to be disciplined. I need a schedule. I need people who understand. I I need to talk a lot about my stuff, about my junk, about the struggles I'm going through. I need that kind of stuff. I need people who understand and also who aren't judgmental, right? And so for me, I've sort of gone to another level with once the Lord... Listen, last year, almost exactly a year, if not a little more than a year ago, the Lord just said to me one day, get up and read the Psalms, Proverbs every day. Get up without fail, read them. And I realized that over a little bit, he showed me that there was 150 Psalms, there's 31 Proverbs, and that I could get through them in a month. I, and if I did it this way, five and one, five and one, every day, every day. And then at the end of the month, depending on how many days, obviously it's a little screwy, but no matter what, and what that did is that just threw me into a loop where every day it was like having the breakfast of champions and also being able to sit with the king, my father, the ultimate life coach, get me to get me into a routine, right? Because my flesh wants to party. My flesh wants to, you know, revel in debauchery and it's strong. And when you don't have the word of God, your spirit, the Holy Spirit that's in you, right, isn't, you're not nourishing it. You're not letting it grow within you, right? And you say, oh, how could the spirit need to grow? It's not this Holy Spirit that needs to grow. It's you letting the Holy Spirit take over you, right? And so less of you, more of him, all that kind of stuff. And we can get into doctrine and blah, blah, blah. But whatever, man, set the Lord Set the word on fire in your life. And the only way you can do that is getting it in you. And the only way that you can do that is getting it in you. And the only way that you can do that is by taking the time to read it and understand it. And if you don't understand it, read it over and over again. That's just the way it is. You know? That's just the way it is. And speaking of that... Here it is. All right. So, guys, gals, I have to tell you that this this has totally changed my life a hundred and eighty degrees, and then some. I mean, it has just pointed me into a whole, brought me into a whole new sphere of my relationship with God. So today, 
we are at Psalm 121. And here we go. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, well now what does that do for you in the morning? Right? It's showing you where you're at, where the Lord how how the Lord feels about you. He's for you. He's for you. Psalm one twenty two. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Do you do you see what it says right there? There it's not not ambiguous. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What does it say here? When you, and so basically here you go, ready? Part one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Part two, what happens? They shall prosper that love thee. Do you love Jerusalem? Are you one of these Christians who's upset with Israel with and has, you know, enacted a replacement theology? Do you not are, do you not understand that the Lord is going to turn back to Israel and focus on them in these last days? Do you not understand? Just watch the news. It- For the peace of Jerusalem. Let's do it now. Ready? Father God, we come before you in the name of your Son, Jesus, Lord, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord. Let your will be done, Lord. Protect them, prosper them, Lord. We love thee. Help us to love thee. Change our hearts if we do not love Jerusalem, Lord. Help us to focus and pray for Jerusalem. In the name of Jesus, we ask, believe, and receive these things. Hallelujah. Amen, Lord. You are worthy. Thank you for understanding and giving us wisdom and understanding in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, do you pray a lot like that? Do you just bust out in prayer? Do you just do it? When you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, don't do that. Just pray for them right then and there. Do it. It's going to, not only is it going to make a statement, and not have you to cause you to not be a man of your word or a woman of your word because you'll forget or whatever. Pray for them right there and watch what the Lord does. Watch that healing happen. Watch watch things make watch a change come. That public display I'm telling you, people get out there and, and live like you mean it. Live your faith. 
Pray for people right then and there. Get out there and do it. Verse 7. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Okay, this ties into the verse already. Verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. Hallelujah. For my brethren and companion's sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Okay? It's really clear right here. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And how do you pray? Peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that peace be within her walls, and prosperity within her palaces. Peace be within thy walls, Lord. Prosperity within thy palaces. For our brethren and our companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within Jerusalem. Because of the house of the Lord, I will seek thy good. Telling you, folks, it's a big deal. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And you know what? That should be part of a daily thing. Right? One of the things that I've done with these Psalms and Proverbs is as I was going through all of them, and I'll post it on my website. I'll do it. I'll post it on NeptuneDiaries.com. But I went through and I basically made a list, uh, the basically the highlights of of what the Lord showed me how to pray. Not just like once a week or once a month, but every day. Like vitamins, there are things that you can ask the Lord for every day. And people say, oh, you could say, oh, you know, don't, pay a, don't pray a repetitive thing. Oh, really? Don't pray a repetitive thing? What does that mean? So, so if I ask the Lord to help me with something today and I still need help tomorrow, and I don't pray that because it's a repetitive thing, stop. You know what? Don't worry about how I pray. Be grateful and happy and thank the Lord that I do pray at all. Okay? I need repetition and I need blessings in the same avenues, in the same places, in the same spots, in the same struggles that I have. Every day I need them. And when I forget that, the next thing you know, I'm drunk in a gutter. So please... Stop arguing, and if you don't want to listen, you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. They have a saying in AA, you know, stick around for a little while. If you don't like what happens, we'll refund your misery at the door. Listen. helps me. And if anyone ever needs to share and wants to call in and share, you know, hi, I'm JD and I'm a recovering human being. I'm a born-again Christian. 
He's learned how to pray and what to pray for out of the book of Psalms and Proverbs. The Lord made it just, you know what? I'm an idiot, right? I'm a fool. And the Lord made it idiot proof. He made it foolproof for me. Because I am a fool and my flesh wants to battle. My flesh wants to battle. It's a daily struggle that I'm in. So here I am. What I realized about this is, you know, I can either be in the Word, and this doubles up my Word, right? This is two extra hours a day of me, whether anyone's listening or not, or whether it's helping people or not. It's me processing the Word, getting the Word in me. You know, garbage in, garbage out. It's not what defile them in. It's the, you know, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. What's coming out of you? So anyway, this is my, you know, attempt at helping you to see how I got sorted out through the Word of God and through what He's done in my life, right? This is me sharing my experience, my strength, and my hope. Woo! Praise the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Psalm 123. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes. Oh, that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. It's pretty awesome. Till he that have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Huh. What did I just say about myself, right? Do you find yourself exceedingly filled with contempt? I do. I w- Sometimes I wake up and I'm literally already in process of talking to the Lord. But other times I wake up in the morning and man, the devil is on my doorstep with junk. Just, you know, it's like I rolled out of bed and stepped in a devil poop. He pooped outside right underneath my bed, right out, right where my slippers were. And I got his all to my toes and I got to get up. And the first thing that I got to do is I wash. I wash. I take a shower in the word of God. I'm not kidding you. I do it every single day. You can ask anyone who knows me and who knows my routines. I am up at the before, way before the crack of dawn. And I'm not saying, look at me, look at me. I'm just telling you that I am exceedingly filled with contempt. Right? It's like being a fat person. And the only way you're going to get unfat is by changing your diet and going to the gym. This is what I do every day because I am exceedingly Filled with contempt. My flesh is corrupted. Maybe, maybe you're a perfect person. Maybe you're out there and you're listening. And you're like, this guy's crazy. I don't suffer with these same problems. I don't struggle with sin. Cool, right? Go, go listen to Joel Osteen and do whatever. Maybe that's the guy for you. And that's the kind of Christianity you have. And that's the kind of life you have where there's nothing. There's no darkness in your life. And God bless you. God bless Joel Osteen. Praise the Lord. In all things, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I am cut from a darker cloth than that, right? I am one of those people that Jesus talked about when he said, 
I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I'm a disgusting, okay? That's who that's what I am. I have unhealthy appetites in every arena. My flesh is insatiable. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, baby. I grew up on the Rolling Stones. It's just the way it is. And 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 that flesh was cultivated my whole life. And I knew Jesus, and I knew God, and I had a relationship, but it was busted. It was a broken relationship, you know. It just was. It was. It was. My relationships are accurately described in the Bible in many places, in the Old Testament, all over the place. The rebelliousness of the Jews, over and over again, running out there and fornicating with demons. That's what you do when you are in rebellion. But guess what? The Lord still loves you and he's still there for you he's your dad and he's there with a robe and a ring and a banquet waiting for you turn around go home it's just that simple all you got to do is cry out i'm in the belly of the well you think it's a club you hear the lights and you think it's a party and in reality it's intestinal juice that's eating away at you you're in the belly of the whale you're there. It stinks. It's horrible. Ask God to get let you out. Guess what? The coolest part about that is, oh, it's a biblical truth. You know what? The Lord will open the fish's mouth, and the whole time you've been in there, he's been traveling to your city, to your own personal Nineveh. He'll let you out right in your mission field. You'll be right there, ready to go. Come on. Praise the Lord. He is good. Psalm 123, unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes eyes wait upon the Lord our God, until that he have mercy upon us. Okay, ready? What do you do? You lift up your eyes. To who? To thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, right? That's easy. And as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God. Until when? Until he, until that he have mercy upon us, right? So you could be suffering and you could, you know, you might expect the Lord, the minute you pray that he's going to come down and be like, poof! But he's, he's not he's not doing that necessarily. You're not your ways aren't his. He doesn't work like that necessarily. But you wait upon the Lord until what? Until he has mercy upon you. So you don't just do it once and go wait and then get upset because he didn't come and at your beck and call. You're not the you're not God. You're not him. He's not at your mercy. We're at his. You know? We've we've been taught today. We're being taught today in many places, you know, that he's just gonna come running. No, not not like that necessarily. Listen, I don't know all his ways, but I can tell you what's happening in my life. And it wasn't, you know, oh Lord, you know, I'm gonna go over here and do all this stuff, and you know, ah, you know, God's will and all that. 
you can have a really screwed up idea of what's going on and how God works if you especially if you're not in the word and you don't and you don't you're not reading. He he lays it out so clear. Let your eyes wait upon the Lord until he has mercy upon you. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. Why? For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. We are. Ah, have mercy on us, Lord. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Do you not feel like that? Exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease. Ah, Psalm one twenty four. Our help. Hold on, my mom more new music. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Okay, ready. A song of degrees of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help, where? Is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth, right? So what is that? Is that not confirmation that Jesus is the name above all names, King of kings, Lord of lords? Our help is where? In the name of him. Didn't he say that we could trade on his name? Didn't he say that we could run around and that his name we asked that in his name would be given to us, didn't he? Yeah, our help was where? What? It's in the what? It's in the name of the Lord. Come on. I wish I could get an amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What happened? Our soul is escaped as a bird of the snare. So basically, we were caught, busted, we're in the trap, and guess what? Oh, the Lord comes in and saves us, right? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm 125. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Do you see that, quid pro quo? What do you have to do to be to never be moved and abide forever? Mm-hmm. You have to trust in who? In the Lord. Verse 2, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. Okay, so ready? If this doesn't come in and destroy all your worries and all your fears and all your little temporary crap that you run around and you're crying about or you're thinking about, what is wrong? Read this daily. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. From when? From henceforth. That means now and way back when. Imagine that. And even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest 
upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth what? Lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Right? What are your hands being put forth into? What? What are you working at? What are you working on in this life? What are you doing? I'm talking to everyone. Don't, you can't hide behind all oh, the family have to support my family. No, you, no, yes, you do, but not you don't not necessarily the way you're doing. Are you being an ambassador for Jesus, or are you spitting your wheels? Are you taking part? Are you in the fight? There are no bystanders. There is no sideline. You can't watch from the stands. It doesn't work like that. You need to see the bigger picture. If you don't want the rod of the wicked to rest upon you, don't put your hand into iniquity. Don't work and waste your life being part of this machine. Be part of the machine that's the Lord's machine. Be part of this whole church. Get into this church. And I don't mean go to church on Sunday. I don't mean that. I don't mean, you know, that church. Read the Bible. Get into this. Understand what you need to do. Do it now. Listen, I know you're out there. I know there are people out there that have never read this Bible. They've never really read little bits and pieces of it. And everyone says, oh, I read the Bible. Yeah, did you? Did you really? Verse 4. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. And to them that are upright in their hearts. Are you folks upright in your heart? Brothers and sisters, are you upright in your heart? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you. Are you upright in your heart? What does that mean? Are you lusting after things of this world? Are you involved in stuff that causes you to be obsessed, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent? Are you? What are you doing? Are you upright in your heart? Are you literally chasing after Jesus? Ready? Verse 5. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. Don't turn back to your crooked ways. I've done it millions of times. Millions of times. There's a door that's closing. There's a window that's being shut. Don't get caught on the wrong side of that. When he comes back, let him find you working. Let him find you working. Listen, I know that when you draw near to the Lord, I know because it worked with me. When you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you draw near to the Lord, things will just start falling away from you. You know, that hose, God's hose, washes clean awful quick, man. It's powerful. You know, and as fast as you will let the Lord clean you, He'll clean you. You know, the Lord will take you to where He wants you to be as fast as you will let Him. You know, if you're willing to put in the work, and yes, it's work, it's discipline. It's it's literally reading this thing to the point where you understand it. You, if you haven't read the Bible in a while, you're going to pick it up and it's going to be nonsensical to you. You're not going to get it. You're not. You're just not going to get it. I don't care how smart you are. You're not going to get this at first. You're you got to dig. Listen, I've read these things. I've read these Psalms. You know, so many times now it's ridiculous. 
And they're new every time I read them. Every single time I read them, they're new. Every time. So, with that being said, we are officially done with our Psalms for the day. Now, we're at Proverbs. Proverbs 25. I used to hate these things. When I first became a Christian, this stuff was so boring to me, man. I could not understand it. I did not. I had no heart for it. I had no desire for it. I had no... You know, I wanted the, the bells and the whistles of the, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I wanted, you know, I wanted the Antichrist and the battle and the, you know, scorpion tails on the locusts and stinging people and stuff. I, that was the stuff that I gravitated to. I didn't understand the Old Testament because it was so, it seemed so boring. But now that I, now that I understand it with the new, with the scales that have fallen off my eyes, you know, understanding that our DNA was corrupted right there at the get-go and that they're, you know, it's every sci-fi movie, every single, every movie I've ever watched, every crazy thing, all of them actually, every single one, all ties in somehow, some way, it all ties in to this epic battle that we're in, that we're a part of, and you're either on the right side or the wrong side. There's no middle ground, you know? I was one of these people who, you know, I've been on the right side for a long time, but I was so screwed up because I went on the run. I didn't understand. I thought like, ah, oh, well, let me just taste this stuff. Let me just try this. Let me see what happens. You know, and I, oh, I'll just do it. For, I'm going to stop then. I'm going to change my ways then. This, that, and the other thing. This will do it for me. If I do it like this, if I do this, let me try it like this. The only thing that worked was total surrender. Total surrender and being disciplined about giving my life to the Lord. Literally, every morning, every moment of every day, I have to surrender. This is a battle. It's a battle. Maybe you're not a Christian like me. Maybe you're a Christian who's, you know, fluffy and rainbows and butterflies and, you know, you poop perfume. You fart perfume. I don't. Maybe you're one of those. That is not me. And it'll never be me. It'll never be me. I'm a dirty, down and out, like, get in the trenches, go down into the valley, scream from the mountains, I don't care, here it is. You know, wear my heart on my sleeve, this is where it's at. You either like me or you hate, you either love me or you hate me. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. This is me. I love you, though. I love you. If you don't love me, fine. It's fine. I love you, though. I love you because I'm not going to be carried away with that. I know what it's like to be overrun with hate and with judgment and with resentment. I'm just not playing that game anymore. Not at all. So, Proverbs 25. These are also the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. That's what we're doing right now. We're searching out a matter. And it is our honor, Lord. Thank you, Father God. The heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. So that's what's happening right now with us. 
you're listening right now and you're going through this with me and we're fellowshipping together in this venue right here, then our, our dross is being taken away from our silver and we will come forth a better vessel, a finer vessel, a vessel for the finer. Take away the wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness. What? What's that say? Some people say, oh, that means the people, wicked people. No, it doesn't. Take away the wicked. The wicked what? You can put in parentheses, behavior. Take away the wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Do you get it? We're children of the living God. You know, heir to the throne of heaven. Right? We're the little kings he's talking about. Take away sin from in front of us. And take away, and guess what? Our thrones will be established in righteousness. Woo! Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Wow! Do you see that? What does that say to you? To me... To me, okay? And listen, you could say, well, so talk, it's David talking about Solomon talking about stuff. Not you. How could you? How could that relate to you? It relates to all of us. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king and stand not in the place of great men. Who is the king of this world right now? It's the devil. What does stand not in the place of great men mean? To me, to me, that means the, the pursuit of worldly conquest. Okay, don't go in front of the devil. It literally like almost Illuminati, or matter of fact, it is Illuminati type stuff. Put not forth a hand in the presence of the devil and stand not in the place of who? Like great men like that. Captains of industry, if you will. Okay, don't get caught up in that business. Why? For it is better, for better it is that it be said unto thee, wow, come up hither. Come up hither. Can you imagine? Come up hither. Then that thou shouldest be put lower. Where? In the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Wow. So just imagine. Like, hey, Jay-Z, if you're listening, Beyonce, you guys have put forth your pre- your, yourself in the presence of the king, and you've stood in the place of great men and women. Too bad for you, because for better it would have been said unto thee that God, the real God, not your little earthly little slithering, you know, forked tongue little snaky scumbag, come up hither, right? Better it be said unto thee from the real God, the Lord above, Jesus, come up hither, than that, than, than that thou shouldest be put lower. Cause guess where you're going if you don't repent? Except Jesus. You're going lower in the presence of the prince who whom thine eyes have seen. Ah. See, guys, have you read this before like this? Has this ever come alive like this to you before? Read. Get in there. Ask the Lord before you do this. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes. Go not forth hastily to stride, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. 
and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy, infamy turn not away. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul, and a sword, and a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in, in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, 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 nitro, so is he that singeth songs to heavy heart. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Right? Do you see? Listen, I could explain all this stuff, but some of it just makes perfect sense to me, so... You can write in to me if you want me to explain certain verses. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an, en an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop of the housetop than with a brawling woman and a, in a wide house. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. It is not good to eat much honey, for so for men to search their own glory is not glory. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's actually really scary, and I'll explain that right there. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And what does that mean? What happens to a city that's broken down without walls? It's easily invaded by what? By the enemy. Who's our enemy? Well, literally, the devil, fallen angels, and what? The spirits of the Nephilim, which are who? Demons and ghosts and whatever you want to call them. Whatever Jesus cast out of that guy in the cave, that, and cast them into the pigs, those things are our enemy. Who are they controlled by their fathers. Who are their fathers? The fallen angels. What do we read about them? Genesis 6. Why is it hard to figure this out? Because you're not reading. This stuff is mind-blowing. If, if, if somebody was smart, they would take a billion dollars and do a movie, a sci-fi movie about this stuff. And I know that Rob Skiba is trying to do something and all that stuff, but 
Forget about, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a straight up, you know, the movie starts off with the devil coming down right here, the fallen angels right here, boom, in the garden. Dude, what do you think really happened in the garden? Anyway, that we're done with thumbs and Proverbs. Let's talk about what, what really happened in the garden after we get back, because I'm going to take a two-minute break and play something cool. Don't let this happen to you. The song blew my mind, by the way. This is an oldie. I simply read. This blew my mind. I'll tell that story tomorrow. Maybe today after the rain, I'll be right back.
church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now that they will come after us. They will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad. While we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren. And it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children, and for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination, and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord, because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little, the net is closing around, and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots, as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God in common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. And note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from the Great Awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Open your eyes. Open your
somebody just walked over your grave. Mm, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the second hour, or oh, the last half hour of the Neptune Diaries. Today it is Wednesday, March 25th, 2015. In the world, the world, my friends, is going insane. Welcome back. God bless you all. God bless you all. Father God, help us in these last days, Lord. Help us to get in tune with exactly what it is that you want from us, what you want us to do, Lord, the race that you are set out for all of us, Lord, that you have marked out for all of us, Father God. I just pray in the name of Jesus that those with ears to hear would hear, Lord. But let this message go out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask, believe, and receive for this. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. All right, so today, I want to talk about CERN. I want to talk about some stuff that's going on in the news that's just insane. Absolutely, phenomenally insane. And CERN, does, that, does everyone know what CERN is? I imagine everybody does. I imagine everybody understands what CERN is. Well, if you don't, it's this massively humongous machine that's underneath the Earth. Buried like 300 feet or something like that. And 17 miles long. Their little logo here is the 666 number of the beast. Look at it. CERN. Be concerned. Be concerned. It's insanity. I love Paul Begley. He's he's always going, the CERN, the CERN. Are you serious? I love him. Are you serious? But seriously, ask yourself this question. The CERN, what is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's this thing right here. It's this it's this machine that's 17 miles in a ring, I believe. Here it is. Here's the ring. It's over there in Europe. And they're, they're whipping around molecules and stuff at breakneck speed. Right? They're doing this crazy stuff where they are literally going to send molecules around and crash them into each other. And they're saying it could be, you know, they're going to potentially recreate the moment of the Big Bang. Right? Look at this picture here. Look at this. What does that look like? It looks like a key, right? A key. And what is that? It looks like an abyss, right? And I know that people can interpret this a million different ways. And But what I know is this. We're, we're basically in Revelation right now. We're, we're there. And it's going to be unbelievable. To me, this looks like a key. This looks like an abyss. It looks like they might just open up new dimensions and portals and all sorts of crazy stuff. Who knows what they're going to do? Look at this. You know, they're going to do the, the craziest stuff in the world. And, and we don't know. And who said that they could do this? Who said that they could do this? I mean, in hindsight, if we could go back and uninvent the nuclear bomb, wouldn't we? Regardless, it doesn't matter. Because here's the deal. Ready? Here's the deal. No matter what, God's will is going to be done. His timing is going to be met. 
his his whole plan is going to be executed exactly how he has set it forth. And there's nothing that anybody of us can do except to get into the will of that and to be on the right side of that when it all comes down. You can prep all you want. You can buy all the gold and silver you want. Tomorrow I'll talk about that because there are verses that like laugh at that. All these people running around, setting themselves up. You know, and I'm not saying don't prep, but I'm saying I, I don't... I don't believe it's going to do anybody any good. Not not necessarily. Listen, if the ultimate people who have power and sway over this planet, if they themselves, if the Bible says that they're going to be you know, buried underground in these caves and they're going to be begging the Lord to kill them for the caves, let the caves fall on them, what what makes you think any kind of prep that you could do is going to make a difference? And I mean, I'm not saying don't go and don't go and buy water, food, in the case this stuff happens. And how do I know? And whatever. Listen, if the Lord is leading you to do stuff like that, go for it. The Lord is not leading you to do the stuff like that. And maybe it's because I don't have any money. Maybe it's because I'm a man with with no resources type of stuff. I don't know. I mean, if if I had money, would I be prepping? Yeah, I would definitely get to a better location. But do I do after I did all that, do I think it would really make a difference? Listen, when the Lord decides to kick this thing off full speed, no, I don't think anything's going to matter. I think it's just going to be the most unbelievable thing ever. It's just going to be unbelievable, the most unbelievable thing ever. And I think that it's just going to be so horrific that if we're still here, you know, it says that tons of us are going to die. You know, just an innumerable amount. Actually, not innumerable. No one gets out alive unless you're covered into the blood. It's just the way it is. Nobody, Nobody's getting out alive. And then there are things like, let's see, Fukushima. Let's talk about Fukushima. I love Fukushima. Fukushima is great because nobody's talking about Fukushima. And if you're talking about Fukushima, Fukushima, you're a jerk. Do you know what Fukushima is, everybody? Fukushima was that nuclear plant over in Japan that got hit by the tsunami and it basically destroyed it. Yay! What they're not telling you is that this is on the ocean and that they've been dumping radioactive water into the middle of the ocean, into the you know, right there, boom, dumping it out and polluting the ocean. Not only were they polluted before this, but this is like the icing on the cake. Ask yourself this question. A tsunami came and is basically wiped out, sitting on the edge of the ocean, and the world just sat by and was like, okay, don't worry about it. No worries. We're not going to worry about this. How is this not a global thing? Do, the, do not all the oceans connect? Is this not a, 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 a ELE, an extinction-level event? Is it not an ELE? Think about what do you think is going to happen when the food chain breaks down and one of the links just breaks. What happens when it happens at the at the starting chain, you know, at plankton? Domino effect. It's over. If God doesn't come back, we're done. 
Thank the good Lord. Look at what's happening. Look at the radiation. Here's Japan. Here's California. Look at that. I mean, why isn't the whole world involved? Why aren't they even ta- Here's the question. Why aren't they even talking about this? Why? It's crazy. I mean, thank God for Jesus, because, you know, how powerless do you feel right now? Where do they tell you that there's a meteor screaming towards the earth? Where do they tell you that there's a meteor screaming towards the earth? truth, there are still people locked in this fire. They're still in there. They still think they're having fun. Their eyes aren't open. They don't even realize that they're in a fire. They don't even have a clue. They don't understand. It's going to be insane. One of the things that is interesting to me about the pre-trib, post-trib controversy or conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, the one thing that's really interesting to me about that is there's a lot of people that are going to just be shell-shocked. I mean, the timing of a pre-trib thing makes the most sense to me. Honestly, it makes the most sense. But then I just have to say to myself, well, what what else makes sense? A loving God? I mean... Just think of how crazy it's going to be here if, if in fact, the pre-trib rapture thing is, is correct. Think about that. Every light, every bright light in this world is gone. I mean, just imagine. But that's the only way that makes sense to me. What else makes sense to me is this, is that the backslidden Christians are people who are still sorting things out that haven't given themselves over to God 110%. It's not going to make, it's not going to surprise me that tons of people are going to be left behind and and they're just going to have to tough it out, you know, and stay strong till the end. That, that, that makes sense to me as well. Maybe the thing that frightens me is that I'll be one of those people, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'll, God, God knows, God knows what our personal destinies are going to be. I like listening to Michael from around the world, from the Council of Time. You know, and he says, you know, if if I'm still here, whatever, I've got a job to do. And, And that's the truth. You know, God's heart is that none should perish. Ours should be that way, too. Ours shouldn't be, oh, I just want to get out of here. So that I'm not left behind and suffering. I mean that if you think about it, if you're left behind, that's gonna be the greatest time. You're gonna be you're gonna take part in, in one of the greatest harvests the world has ever seen, you know? You'll 
miss out on the wedding feast, but what's the, I mean, what's the heart of God? I mean, if it's the Lord's will that he wants me to stay behind, it's the Lord's will. I mean, let his will be done, not mine. And that's got to be where my heart's headed. That's got to be where my thoughts are headed. One thing about this time that we're living in is you need to capture all your thoughts. You need to capture them all and hold them hostage to Jesus Christ. Let Jesus hold hostage all of your thoughts. Let your thoughts come from the Word of God. Let your thoughts come from the Bible. And how do you do that? You read it, like, incessantly. Stop. Kill your television. Stop watching your television. Read the Bible. If you want to know what's in the Bible, you've got to read the Bible. You gotta read it. You want the word to come out of you, you gotta read it. You gotta get the word into you. You know, I was lazy. I was the I was the cliff note master. Give me the cliff notes. Let me just get in and get out and just let me get in there and learn the ropes and learn the fast, easy thing that'll get my car going. I don't care how it works. I don't wanna read the manual. I don't I don't I don't care. Like, give me the keys. And and the reality is is you cannot half measure your walk with the Lord. You cannot half measure the process. There is a process. There is a process. There's a process for repentance. There's there's a process and it's laid out in the Bible. One of my favorite Psalms, I'll pull it up right now, is Psalm fifty one. Psalm fifty one is just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. It gives you a clear-cut, laid-out path on how to do things, right? Have mercy upon us, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. There you go. You have to ask God to have mercy According to his love and kindness, according to the multitude of his tender mercies, please God, blot out our transgressions. And then what? Wash us thoroughly from mine, from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Right? Wash me thoroughly. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now, I've had people holler at me and be like, you're so legalistic and that's the law and you're under the law and the law and the law. And I just have to laugh because that's not this at all. For I acknowledge my dude, that's you confessing to the Lord that you're a sinner. And literally, not just once, not like, oh, I'm a sinner, you know, give me blanket immunity. No. Transgressions, like all of them. And when the Lord brings up sin in your life, keep it ever before you go to Him. And what? Ask Him to have mercy upon you. Keep your sin before you. Don't ever hide. For example, I stayed for decades enslaved to sin and unwilling to go before God because I felt like a hypocrite. Because guess what? I am a hypocrite. I am. Like, that is who I am. And And I'll tell you, the worst things and funny enough it wasn't until I started doing it faithfully that I just got sick and tired of going before the Lord asking for the same stuff over and over again and it wasn't until I kept my sin ever before me and I really wanted to for example I swore I used to swear every other word out of my mouth was an f-bomb and I just didn't care like I just thought it was a great word 
and everybody swears. And, uh, you know, everybody in my world, and, you know, I know pastors that swear. I know, and they just curse, and my father, and everyone curses, and he just drops it like it's nothing. F this, and F that, and that, F and F, and F, F, and F, F, and F, F, woo! And there was just F-bombs going off all over the place. And then I got embarrassed one time. Somebody, it just, this thing happened and I swore a couple of times and I just realized, whoa. And the, it was like the light shined on me and I saw all the blackness and how horrible it was. But I didn't think I'd ever, honestly, I never thought I'd be able to deal with it. And then every time I swore, I asked the Lord, Lord, please remove this from me. And you know what? I'm not even joking to you. I was diligent about it and within two to three days, I stopped swearing. Do I still swear occasionally? Occasionally, it'll come flying out of my mouth. But that's when I am not walking in the spirit. And I am literally letting my emotions get the better of me. When I'm literally walking in the flesh. It's really clear. But that whole, for I acknowledge my transgressions and keep my sin ever before me. You have to admit that something's broken before it can ever be fixed. Okay? And here's another thing. People run around looking for forgiveness from people. People's forgiveness is wishy-washy. It's like the wind. It's there one minute and gone the other, and it's conditional. It's conditional. You haven't sinned necessarily against anybody other than God. right? That's who you need to get your forgiveness and your absolution from. It's from God. From God. You pray, you confess with men, and you pray with men, and the Lord will heal you. And He's the one that has your forgiveness. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Do you see that? We were shapen in iniquity. What does that mean? In sin did my mother conceive me. Game, set, match. I've heard people say, like, though we were born, we were born innocent, the blah, blah, blah. No, we weren't. But the age of accountability isn't until, you know, what I believe what the Jews say, right around that time. And that's for God to decide. But I do believe that we were born goofed, period. Our sin was corrupted. We were conceived in sin, you know? But if you want to be part of this process, if you want to get, you know, to be effective for the Lord, you can look at Psalm 51 right here, and let's go through it again. What do we, because I got sidetracked, sorry about that. But we ask the Lord for mercy, ask Him to blot out our transgressions, ask Him to wash us and cleanse us, and we acknowledge our transgressions, we keep our sin ever before us, we acknowledge that He's the one that we have wronged, behold, we were shaped, we, we admit these things, right? We admit that we were sinners, right? Accept those facts. We understand God desires truth in the inward parts. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward What does that mean? Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. It means that the Lord wants you to be honest with Him about your junk, about your stuff. Oh, I'm a slave to porn. I'm a slave to cigarettes. I'm a slave to swears. I'm a slave to whatever it is you're a slave to. The Lord wants you to be truthful in the inward parts. And then what happens? And in the hidden part, in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God makes us to know wisdom, gives us wisdom, right? When? When, when we're honest and we're truthful in our inward parts, right? Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
It's a process. Look, we've already we've already asked him. Asked him. He wants the truth. He wants the truth. Oh, we purge us, make us clean, wash us, and we'll be whiter than snow. Make us to hear joy and gladness. Do you see what happens when you get purged, when you get cleansed, when you get washed? You become whiter than snow. You make it. We, we, we come to hear joy and gladness. The bones which he has broken may rejoice. Listen, he has to break you. Your flesh, your your physical presence must be broken. Just this is what it is. What does that mean? He's going to break my bones. You need to read some other parts of the Bible. I'm going to find that verse. There's a there's, there should be like a note right here that talks about this. But it's better to fall on have the rock uh, fall on. It's better to you to fall on the rock than have the rock fall on you. Okay. So that's what that's what this is tying into, as far as I'm concerned. Right, and then after this, what happened? Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy holy spirit from me. Right? You see what's happening? You're in this process. You're in this process of cleansing. Right? Then what happens? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And what happens? Sinners shall be converted unto thee. That's some fruit on your tree right there. Right? But here's here, here it is. Here's the step-by-step formula process. You could say it's not a formula. Whatever. Here it is. I'm just telling you. This is what the word says. This is it. Right here. This is the word. And this is what I go by. This is what I do on a daily basis. I read this. I read this on a daily basis. I read a couple of Psalms on a daily basis. Not only do I do my five and one, because listen, you can say you're bragging. I'm not bragging. I'm boasting, though. I'm not boasting. I'm telling you what I do. There's a difference. Because I'm seeing seeing positive effects in my... Just imagine that I'm your... I'm taking you to the spiritual gym and showing you what I do from my workout. And these are the results that I get. Okay? Understanding, peace, wisdom, all these benefits. Right? I wanted the benefits without the work before. That doesn't it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. See, I'm a, I'm afraid. I I'm actually just a scared person. I'm terrified. I'm terrified of spending an eternity in darkness being terrorized. I'm terrified of that. And I don't want to be part of that. And I think it's just fantastic that the Lord decided to spare me. That He sent Jesus to save me. You know that He sent Jesus to save you too. All you need to do is accept His gift. Do you know Jesus? Are you covered? Are you covered under the blood? Do you know the living God? Are you walking with the Lord? Walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Time is short. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming real soon. Walk with the Lord. What are you waiting for? Are you still busy trying to trying to build your little temporary kingdom? Are you still trying to build your little business? 
or build your big business? Are you still trying to change the world for the better with some kind of thing out that's outside of Jesus? Are you still you're trying to do something that's done not in the name of Jesus? Do you realize that every single thing that's not done in the name of Jesus is going to get burned up as wood, hay, and stubble? Did you know that? Are you Are you living your life like that? Are you living your life like that? I'll tell you, I'm living my life like that. More and more every single day. More and more every single day I'm living my life like that. I have to live my life like that. There is no other way. I don't want to end up separated from the loving God. I don't want to live like that. I've lived in the dark. It's it's scary. It's terrible. It's 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 a horrifying feeling. It's empty. It's lonely. It's disgusting. Right? I go through a thing every day where I get up and I turn myself over. I give the first fruits of my day to the Lord. That's what I do every day. Not because I want to sit here and be like, oh, what do I do every day? I don't care. I don't care. Right? I do it because I need a savior. Okay? I do it because I, it's cool. I'm getting to know God more. Right? I do it because I like what's happening. I love the Lord. He's coming back soon. The signs are everywhere. The writing is on the wall. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Lord? Are you saved? Does what's coming upon the earth terrify you? Will your will your heart fail you for fear of what's coming? Are you secure? Do you worry? Or are you in the faith? You can say, oh, thought about works. Yeah, it is. It's really all about Jesus. But works, works play into it. And don't kid yourself. Go read his own words. Go read the words of Jesus himself. You know, once you're in, you're, you're, you're commanded, you know, you're commissioned to go and teach everybody about Jesus, to go spread the good news, to go spread the gospel, to go shout from the mountaintops what the Lord has done for you. That's the, that's the drill right there. That's what we're supposed to do on a daily basis. We're supposed to be out there in the fight, you know. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spread this goodness. We're supposed to go in back into the fire and help other people out. Regardless, our life, a living sacrifice. That's what we're supposed to do. Because that's the heart of the Lord right there. That's the heart of the Father. Oh, okay, ready? I'm going to read Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed and let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on me be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation 
On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Are you meek? Do you know what meek means? Are you teachable? Are you are you humbling yourself before the Lord? All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Do you want the Lord to choose or do you want to choose? Do you fear the Lord? Verse 13, his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. Do you want that? Ready? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain. You're free. Turn thee unto me. Ready? Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he, what will he do? He shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Isn't that awesome? Are you struggling with stuff? Are you struggling with becoming passionate again for the Lord? Read the Psalms. Get into the Psalms. See, here's, here's a, here it is. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I've been doing this since I was 11. Right? I've been, I've, been, I've been holding on to my faith and working out my salvation. Sometimes on my knees. Sometimes on my back. Sometimes in the belly of the whale. sometimes in the most despicable places on the planet. But I'm still here. And I'm here to tell you, all you have to do is turn around and God is there. I don't care where you are in your relationship. I don't care if you think that you're you're God's best friend. There's still areas of your life where you could turn around. There's still more to do. I like when Michael from around the world from Council of Time when he says, you know, why do I want to relax? 
There's no time to relax. There's barely time to get a wink of sleep. Yet a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. A little sleep, a little slumber. It's time. That's This show's done. This show's over. We're, we're, it's a game set match. I don't know if I'm going to be on the air tomorrow. We are going on, but you will see me henceforth plenty of times. And listen, what I want you to do is come before the Lord and lay your sins at the cross. I want you to literally come before the Lord and ask for His forgiveness. Give your life to Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. Come down to the river. Come and let yourself in. Make good on a promise. Never heard again. Give your lost and loaded. You're broken down. Bring all of your troubles. Come down, down. Strong.